Welcome, welcome. Nomad Golf Podcast has finally made it to St. George, Utah. I uh, I have an esteemed colleague with a uh, 50% win percentage on the senior amateur tour. We're going to delve off into his mind and what makes him so great. Uh, we have a, uh, a guest interviewer stepping in, and he shall be posing the questions. Take it away, gentlemen. So, so as an interviewer, Mr. Uh, uh, Ken Mack, so I understand there's a big golf match happening tomorrow between uh, you and your uh, opponent. Um, so, what do you think the keys to uh, success will be uh, for your victory tomorrow? I just need to play consistent golf. What does that What does that look like? Consistent golf to me is get in the fairway, hit greens. Okay. My my short game is better. My putting is equal to his, and my iron play is as good as my putting. Okay. So I just need to get the ball in play, and then rely on my strengths. And I'll win. Just so, like I did today. How about off the tee? all year for this, uh, this annual event that you've obviously, uh, first round, you have, uh, you know, you've, uh, taken down their hero. Well, you have actually, <laughs> you have actually, can we say, uh, well, you advanced, Jackie. Yeah. So, so, you shared us with, uh, your keys to success and how you were trying. What do you feel is your opponents, uh, maybe strengths or opportunities? So, Rick's strength is only strength. Okay, so you're naming your opponent now, so yeah. for the for the, for the the record, for the interview, his name is? Uh, Miss Richard Houchins. Miss Richard Houchins. That's his name. And uh, his greatest strength is his driving. That's his greatest strength. Okay. And, uh, so if he does that well, he'll be in the fairway. And so will I, because my greatest strength when I use my free wood is in the fairway. Well, well, let's let's talk about today. Okay. Uh, let, walk me through, because I was in, I was playing in the group with you. What was your thought process when you saw your opponent go eagle birdie on the first two holes? My thought process today was there's no way I could beat this guy. And I started saying to myself, I can't match that. But then I realized that again, if I just played consistent golf, I'd beat him. And so, so that's what I did. So your key is consistency. Consistency. Okay. Get it in the fairway, rely on my iron game and my short game. Okay. Once I do that, that's all it takes. All right. Well, in golf, we have our ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. We have our challenges. So let's say, golf gods forbid, you get on the the proverbial birdie train, and your opponent is pars and birdies. Mm-hmm. At some point, do you change your plan? Mm. Or do you stay consistent with? I mean, you would think. Are you going to start to press? Do you think? Because it's not. It's not match play. It's it's stroke play. So that happened to me today. Great question. Okay. Uh, When I started making pars, and he was making bogeys and doubles, I started saying to myself, "You can beat this guy." What I was then doing was getting out of the moment. Okay. And I had to tell myself. Don't start counting your chicken before they hatch. I had to back myself away from that and get my mindset out of 
So can we say it's the whole analogy, mind over matter? Exactly. So what makes you so comfortable putting a wedge in your hand? Because I've, I've been playing with you for a couple of years now, you know, and I don't, I don't think it's any secret. That was probably one of the worst tools in your toolkit. So why is it now become a strength of yours and you're so comfortable and you you look forward to the opportunity to put the wedge in your hand. What what have you done? Well what I've done was I understood that that's a very important part of the game. And that I had to get better at it. And so I started practicing in the house. Uh, get a little plastic ball, get a little carpet to hit on. wedge and there's a distance wedge and I had to understand the difference between the two and my finesse wedge the technique now is spot so Ken so another question for you so your opponent tomorrow is you know 10 to 12 years your junior mm-hmm. so with that said uh, does that is that play a factor or is that uh, and uh, anyway uh, play a uh, play any factor in your in your thought process for plays your no, upcoming uh, match tomorrow. Plays no process at all to me because I put in the I put in the time in the gym to be strong, and that's why I can play 36 holes. And I'm prepared to do it. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. So you trust your body. No ailments this year. No torn pecs. No ripped quads. No, no torn meniscus. Okay. Nothing. I put in the work specifically to come here to be able to play and to right the wrong that was done last year. Okay. I ain't let that cat out the bag yet. Okay. Now, do you think tomorrow is going to be a a tough match, or do you think it's going to be a boat race, so to speak? Tomorrow is going to be, uh, my opponent is going to come out tomorrow, and he thinks he's going to be able to beat me, because he's already said so, and he's going to come to the to the match, okay. thinking that I can beat him. With That's exactly what I want to what? With what? With his distance. Off distance. the team. Okay. Off the team. Off the team, okay. yeah. But you proved today that distance is not always a... It's it's no, not synonymous with winning. It's not. What's synonymous with winning is short game and cutting. So where do you rank yourself in the group? Uh, let's just go. Let's just go through the bag. Where do you rank yourself in the group? Let's say with driver. There's driver eight of us. So what? Where? What number are what you? Number? Uh, one out of eight. I'm either third or fourth. Okay. If I put my three wood in my hand, I'm third. Okay. And long iron, because what the longest iron in your bag is what, six? Uh, stop. The third longest iron in my bag is a four iron. Four iron. Okay. So where, where do you rank yourself with long iron? So that would be my uh, three hybrid, my five, I'm sorry, my four, my five iron. I would say I am probably four. Four? Okay. Mid irons, where are you? Mid irons. I'm third. Maybe second. Short iron, wedge, scoring club, so to speak. I'm second. Second. Putting. On first. Mm. So you're you're top forty percent. In every category. In every category. Okay. Now do you feel as if your you're winning on the on the AM tour. Do you feel as if that's giving you the confidence to say, hey, I can play with these guys? It most certainly has. Because I know how to play the game now by using strategy and realizing that there are going to be some bad spots in the course of the round. And you can't get down on yourself. you got to play through it. And you just got to get back to the thing that you know you do well. Get it in a fair way. Rely on your strengths. 
so get up, up here. Go ahead. Played this course actually before. The one today? No, the one tomorrow. The one tomorrow. Play tomorrow. Big match. Yeah. Is there anything based on your game that you feel that, let's say, in 20, 2020 season versus 2022 season today? Uh, do, you, do you feel that uh, your game then versus now that you would do or going to do anything different with the course? So? Well, I didn't have the short game that I have now when I played it the last time two years ago. And so uh, I'm in a better position to play this course tomorrow than I was two years ago. My game is better. I'll agree with that. I'll, I'll agree with that. I've told many many people that probably this year is the best year that I've seen you play overall. Uh, I attribute that to be large part to your short game and your mental. I think your mental is much better because I think you figured out a way to get out of your way. And your, your thought process seems to be clearer. Now with that being said, do you go through and map out each hole and say, hey, this is what I'm going to take off this tee. This is the distance I'm going to leave myself and so this is the iron that I'm going to have in my hand. And go through all 18 holes with that plan and that setup of this is my process of what I'm going to go through in order to put myself in the best position to score on each and every hole. Or do you just go out there and just wing it? So I do, I do the following. I used to look at all 18 Having gotten the Arco system, and I now can take that corner and say I want to go some X distance mm-hmm. to the fairway. And then I say to myself, what will that lead me to the green? And more often than not, what I'll then say is, okay, it's a par five. I just need to get it to 230, 240 yards. The second shot which was going to lead me 100 yards or less in. Let's say it's a a 548 yard shot, 545 yards. If I get it to 235, right, that only leaves what? 220 yards? Right. So all I gotta do then is 220, just hit 110 yards or 120 yards, that leaves me 100 yards yards in. And you've got a stock 100 yard club that you're so comfortable in that you can play with now? So, so this Arcos thing that you speak of, I notice a lot of you guys, some of our better players in the group, they use this this new alien technology. Um, now, with that being said, me personally, I think that's cheating um, because, I mean, that's not the way the game should be played. But I understand you guys can do what you do, whatever you're comfortable with um, in that aspect. But do you think that that's been a huge benefit for you to have that technology to be able to dictate to you what club you need to hit, which direction the wind is coming from, and things of that nature? And then you come back and you can look at that information and see, okay, what I did well today, what do I need to work on? Is that is that a good system to have in place if you want to get better? It's a great system because whereas the pros and send their caddy app out and map the course and know what the sight lines are and know what the distances are to certain targets and then back that away and say if a pro's favorite club is their sand wedge and that sand wedge is 60 yards in the end, they can map that course out and say, okay, if you get that ball in the fairway or if you're in trouble, if you can get it to 60 yards for the wedge in your hand, then that's going to allow you then to get right to your spot. Right. So they have the advantage of sending the, the caddy out to do that. Well, Arcos is my caddy because I don't have the ability to send a caddy out. But if I'm playing and I can see the course and I can touch on the screen and know, okay, I've got 220 left in. I just need to hit a 120-yard shot. I don't need to take on a 220-yard shot. Right. All I got to do is hit it to my distance, which is 100 yards in the end. Well, for me personally, I see for you in that situation and a couple of other guys, see that takes the golf eyes out of play. 
And for those of you listeners who don't know what golf eyes are, golf eyes is when you're able to measure something just by eyesight. Right. You'll, it's not going to be a finite number, but it's going to it's going to be close enough right. for you to be able to do what you can do. Right. But you're getting exacting numbers right. and exacting feedback, right. like a tour player would get. And in lieu of a caddy, you're using this particular technology, and you feel as if that's played a huge role in your game getting to be where it is right now. Yeah, because I know exactly what to practice. I know, like, right now, my long irons are my weakest part of my game. And so when I go out and practice, I know I should be practicing with my long irons. I shouldn't be practicing with my mid irons and with my wedges because they are the strong part of my game. Right. I can agree with that. So basically what you're saying is the feedback that you get from this technology is helping you locate those weaknesses and then you put in place a plan to turn your weakness into a strength. Thus, that's why you got such confidence in your wedge game. Exactly. And I think that's half the battle is the confidence. Exactly. I mean, that's half the battle uh, is the confidence. And And like I said, I think you've shown great improvement. In that, and I, for one, I want you to win tomorrow because that will give you an opportunity to face me, and that's and that's when the rubber will meet the proverbial road. You can come out there with your technology, and I appreciate you bringing that technology out. And then I'll just go old school, traditionalist, golf eyes, and I'll do what I do because I'll be honest with you, I haven't had to play. Really, I really haven't had to play, so I look forward because, I mean, you've been somewhat of a, um, so I say you, you've been a competitor, you know, you you you've held your own in certain situations with myself, so I look forward to the opportunity to apply my wares against you, in that in that scene of you being undefeated and I'm undefeated. Well. I'll be honest with you, there were three golfers that I absolutely wanted to face on this trip. And make no mistake about it, I've got the biggest target off my back. The other two, they're easy. So what you're saying is you're you're going to take your other opponents lightly. No, I'm not saying that at all. That's what it sounds like. No, it, it sounds, sounds like, like you want some ice cream. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. It sounds like uh, the other two are ice cream. They're soft. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, like I said, I mean, I'm I'm not going to take anything away from what you've been able to accomplish in the last year, because I mean, your 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 game is it's it's the best I've seen it. Once again, it's the best I've seen it, and I like to see people get better. And at your age, to be able to get better at a game that you've been playing since you probably had wooden shafts in your in your irons. I've been playing golf for 22 years. So you've been playing golf, and I'll honestly think about it. So if you've been playing golf for 22 years, do you think this is the best you've played? Uh, no, I played the best golf I ever played in my 40s uh, because I had much faster swing speed. I, uh, but I didn't have an understanding, and I didn't have the technique that I have now. And uh, if I would have had the technique and the understanding in my 40s, I certainly could have been a better player. But now in my 60s, mid 60s, I, I have everything now. I have the technique, except for swing speed. That has right. suffered. Uh, and that's why I don't hit the ball as far, but that's why I have to be more consistent. Right. So, from a swing speed standpoint, do you think what's more important, your thought process or distance? My thought process. Right, because today you prove that distance is not a factor. Right. So, I would say, <clears throat> listening to what you just said, I would say that you're probably playing better golf now than you were playing in your 40s because your thought process is better. I have to, yeah. Yeah, your, th- your thought process is better. And to me, that's yeah. that's probably 95% of the game, of the game is the thought process. Yeah. And when you're younger, ego gets in the way and it makes you take on that 200 20 yard shot mm-hmm. as opposed to saying to yourself okay well let's cut it in half go one, 120 leave 100 your wedge game is good put it by the flag and then just one or 
Right. Yeah, and that's what I do. It's the thought process. I don't need to take on challenges. And that's what Dave Pell says is that most golfers, when they get out of position and they have to hit a, a world-class shot that they've never hit before or maybe one out of ten times they've hit it, mm-hmm. rather than simply putting the ball back where they would have been had they hit that first shot, a, a world-class shot, put it back where it should have been, and then go from there. Right. So what we try to do is get in trouble and then try to get a world-class shot get out of trouble. No. And compound the and issue. compound the issue. Yeah, right. no. Get in trouble, put it back where it should be. If that's 80 yards, put it back 80 yards. If it's 100 yards, put it 100 yards. But we'll try to put it 220 yards. Mm. 230 yards. So you're saying you have no ego now? Oh, no. It sounds like you have a good thought process. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's about, it's about consistently trying to put yourself in the best position get to your strengths, and if your strengths are your ground game and your wedges, get the ball where it's in your strength, in your what, wheelhouse. What would you say, um, mind double matter, we said before, is, is uh, the game that you, your level that you're at now, the mental versus physical, physical being skill set, right? versus physical? Uh, I'd say mental is probably as much as 60%, 70% of my game now. Sure. Uh, I've got the swing speed to hit the ball far because I hit my clubs a long way for my age, right? But what I, there's one small thing that I need to do, and if I did it, On the transition from the top down to um, down to getting set for, for impact, this lead wrist, that that knuckle right there has to get down in order to supinate and get flat and bowed at the at the point of impact. What I end up doing is I keep that wrist here, and what does that do? That opens up the club. Go look at Ben Hogan's five secrets. This hand comes down like that as opposed to staying up. It comes down and it supinates and it does that. But what I do is I do that. So you hold off as I opposed hold off to turning over. And you see me. Yes. And, and I won't and I let talk, my hands go. Yeah, I talked you through it and told you to release your hands. Release your hands. Yeah, release your hands. And if you release your hands and it does that, if I can do that consistently, can't nobody out here. It's just that one little thing. And that's about the interview's over. He started lying. Is that is that one little thing that's stopping me from simply being a better player? So I have one final question. Uh, actually two. And then I'm done. So to all those listening out there on the Nomad podcast, uh, at this point in time, what would you give you say Dave Pills, you say all of the pros and things like that. What would you, what is one piece of advice that Kenny Mack would give to anybody out there that's an up and comer that, uh, as, uh, you know, they're, they're working on the game, they're, they're thinking about it, they're, they're transitioning, whatever it may be. What is the one solid piece of advice? One or two sentences that you would give to that what I would say is simply this. Find someone that you believe in what they teach. Get all the voices out of your head. Listen to what it is. Trust the process. Hey, my second question. Follow up and I'm done. What do you feel are your... Uh, what... What do you feel are your chances tomorrow? Let's go one to, one to ten. Oh. I always go out, no matter what I may think or say, I go out to try to win. And tomorrow, I'm 
for the courses, though, man. I just think I'm going to win. And, and what will happen is I have to weather the storm. I have to realize that Rick's going to hit some great shots tomorrow. He's going to hit some great shots. And, uh, and what I have to do is not talk to him, not let him get into my head, let him move around and while I'm getting ready to swing and all that. He'll play games. But I'm just going to simply stand there while he's doing all that until he has to play my game, which is let me go through my process and consistently get it in play. Now, we'll talk about process. Do you have a pre-shot routine? And if you do, how important is that to your overall success, do you think? Absolutely, I have a pre-shot routine. And my routine is on every hole, as I'm driving up to it, I look to see where my miss is. As I'm driving up to it, I look to see where my miss is. And then I'll look at my Arco system to see where the trouble is then I'll walk up to the tee box if it's a part three or part four or whatever and I'll get a visual from the tee box and I'll look to see where the trouble is if trouble's on the right I'll go to let's say there's woods or trees or lake or whatever I'll go to the right side of the box where there is no trouble and hit in that direction and I'll take all that like that shot that I hit today we had to turn the ball around a par 5 and I played it out and it came back around that tree straight in front of us was the shot and, and uh, my opponent tried to take on more of that, that, that uh, and he went over in the canyon Right. and you and I hit the ball straight toward that tree and threw it off that tree Right. And that was the shot because that's your miss. Correct. See, ego stands there and says, well, I can get it to 295. Mm -hmm. And ego lets you take on that aggressive shot. Right. You can hit your three hybrid 280 yards. It makes no sense to hit a driver there. What you should do is hit, your, hit that three hybrid 280 yards, get in position, then hit your second shot after distance, put a wedge in your hand. So you're saying shots like their decision making by your opponent probably cost him. It cost him the match. Cost him the match, and he got he got the yield today. Yeah. He got he got he cost him the match because he's in his 40s and he knows his swing speed is great. He hasn't harnessed his power. That's the thing I used to tell Rick: harness your power, bring it in, reel it in, use it when you have to, not when you just. Power should be used and not abused. Yeah got the power to do it, then that's great, but it doesn't take that all the time. What it takes is just sound thinking on the course, and David taught me that. He, he would always tell me, it's your thought process, and I finally listened to what he was saying is, he's right. I mean, that's how he used to beat us all the time, is it's his thought process. And I don't think anymore. Well, now you don't, don't. You can't, you can't don't. beat us as consistently as you did before. I don't think anymore. Well, That's what I was just talking to him about. I don't even really like playing golf as much as I used to. Why? I don't even know, to be honest with you. I don't know. I don't well, know. I can tell you why. Why? Because golf is, for you, it's not stimulating because you like to tinker. You like to tinker with your clubs. Do. You like the shafts. For you, the, the excitement in the game is, let me, your hands are your greatest weapon. Your hands are your greatest weapon on the course. And because your hands are so good on the course, you look for ways that you can use your hands. You will intentionally, I've seen you do it, you will intentionally put yourself in a position so that then you have to use your hands to get either by the hole, on the green, or whatever. You like trying shots. Well, okay. It's good to try shots, but try it when it makes sense, right? It's not fun. Well, well, that's the thing. I think that's why it goes back, like I said. I say it jokingly, but I did let you into, like, my thought process when we were at Sheryl Park. You did, yeah. 
and like I said, for me, and all, and you're right, yes, 100% spot on. Me personally, I never play golf and think about score. Right. That's just not There's what not I think about. No, my thought is shot. Right. Can and I play this shot? And that's and it's the right shot. Your game, yes. Man. Can I play this shot? So many times you and I play, and it's crazy how you and I see the same shot. And we'll laugh about it and say, I know what you're looking at. And I don't know exactly what you're looking at because you let me in. Right. And I'll see you pull that shot off because I know what you're trying to do. And you're the only one out here who can pull those shots off besides myself. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, seriously. I mean, no, he and I are the only ones who will stand on a tee box and say, I'm going to draw this ball off of a bunker or a tree or something like that. Or I'm going to fade it off one way or the other. Other guys get up on the tee box Right. And I think, I mean, I don't want to take a lot of credit, but I think that time I spent with you at Cheryl Park, I think that went a long way with him because that's when I think that's when the light came on. That that's when the light came on or whatever, and we talked about looking at different lives when you got your wedge in your hand. Because different lives are going to be able to dictate what shot and what wedge you should play for that particular life. Because, I mean, that it's huge. It is. And I told you, hey, you got too much bounce on your wedge. You need to take a little bit of that bounce. Not like mine, but you need to take a little bit of that bounce. Because for me, it makes you it makes you chunk the ball, I think, when you have too much bounce on it. It can, unless you have the proper technique, though. True, but the but the thing is, I think a lot of the courses that we play, when you have a lot of bounce like that, even with the proper technique, I think it gets in the way. And I think when you when you lower your bounce, it gives you more options. It does. You know what I mean? It, it gives does. you more options. It does. To be able to play different shots. Yeah. There was a shot I had today on a par five, that same hole that uh, that I talked about how Kevin hit his in the canyon. I was up on a hillside, and I mean, the ball was literally chest high, and I had a 58-degree wedge in my hand. I said, wait a minute, that's the wrong wedge. It's too much loft with the ball that way. I went back to my cart, and I got the 9-iron. And what that allowed me to do, do was I hit the ball, and it came off the hill on the green and rolled towards the pin, and I got a par on that hole. That was the where you were just above the bunker. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the proper shot. It was the exact shot that I had to hit at that exact. And that's knowing the lie and knowing that if I had hit that 58 degree wedge with the bounce that it had on it, and I'm already, the ball is well above my feet, all that ball would have done is gone up in there and just came straight down. Right. And we got any relief. None. Right. That nine iron, I choked down on it and I simply pivoted myself and let my, my, Now, what about visualization? Do you ever use that? Oh, great question. Absolutely. Um, what I'll do is I'll see a shot. Now, what I can't see, unless it's a wedge, I can see I can turn a shot, and my favorite shot is a draw. And I can hit a fade if I want it to, but it's not going to go like I want all the time. I know my draw is going to go exactly like I want it all right, the time. It's your natural shot. It's my natural it's shot. It's natural. Shape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so... I can see, okay, if that's my tree out there, I'm going to start this ball to the right of that tree and bring it back to the tree. And so I visualize that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, I think visualization is key. I think that's key. If I'm playing, for me, if I'm playing well, Mm -hmm. I'm going to visualize every shot that I want to play. Right. Mm -hmm. But what I've done lately, I don't, I don't take the time to do that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You don't. You don't. Uh, another thing that I don't, know, and this is something I think I even got from you, is picking out a line. Now, when I pick out a line, yeah. and I line up for that line, yeah. 
and I go, I'm spot on. But a lot of times I would be so lazy mentally where I'll just look at it and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna just hit this. But like if you take the time out to actually visualize the shot, pick out your line where you wanna go, 98% of the time, you're gonna pull it off and you're gonna do, because your eyes are smarter than your hands or whatever. So if you can visualize what you wanna do and you can stay in that moment, and that's one thing I gotta give you kudos to, what I've noticed, you're able to stay in the moment. You know what I mean? You take one shot at a time. Me, I'm smoking cigars, I'm drinking. I'm not, sometimes I forget I'm even keeping score or whatever, because I'm out there just relaxing and and I I do, I forget, shit, hey, we actually playing for something. But if you actually visualize, you pick your target, or like what I'll do, I'll see the target or the line that I want, and then I'll pick a target maybe about, I'd say six inches in front of the ball and I line up to that okay that's where I want to start it and then it's going to end where I want it to end when I was taking lessons at golf tech uh, something about maybe four years ago uh, my coach at the time he asked me he said Kim when you see targets do you see something close or do you see it far away Mm. I said well I see it close he says what I want you to do is look far out there and pick something out there but pick it small he says because it's easier for humans to see if I'm trying to hit a ball a long way it's easier for us to see a long way than it is to put something right here six inches a foot ten foot whatever in front of you and then you want to try to hit it 200 300 yards whatever right so he says look out there find a, a branch that's hanging down find the tallest tree find a steeple in the distance pick that target mm-hmm. and then work your way back right yeah see that's what I do yeah I'll look at where I want it to go, where I want to end up, and then I just draw a line from there to about six inches. And that's where I set up for it. And I go from there. But yeah, I think, like I said, if I take the time out to do it, more times than not, I'm going to play well. Because my best rounds that I've played, I've stayed in the moment more and paid attention to what I'm actually doing. As opposed to a lot of times where I'm just mentally, I'm like, okay, hell, I'm just going to tee it up and and go at it but also I think what goes a long way I believe for me is if I'm playing somebody and I already know I'm going to beat them you know what I mean if I already know I'm going to beat them I'm not going to be as focused or whatever I'm going to be loose but and I think that's another thing I think you have to think about too because even they said like Tiger Woods normally with Tiger Woods his worst swing is his first swing the first swing of the tournament is his worst swing. That's even after having an hour warm-up because you're antsy. Yeah. You know, you're anxious. Right. So that first swing. But then after that, you calm down. You calm down. So from that standpoint, now you're playing tournament golf now more. So what do you think has been the key to some of your success of being able to, I would say, maybe control the emotions or control the anxiety? to be able to go out there and compete? That's a great question. So what I do is, you'll notice this, rarely do I ever hit the driver on, on my first hole. Because what I try to do is establish myself a pattern or I try to establish some level of consistency where I want to see the ball going to the fairway. So what I do is, even though I may be giving up 30, 40 yards or whatever, it's okay. Mm-hmm. I'll just simply take that three wood. I know I can hit it if I hit it well. Somewhere between 200 and 250. And I'm okay with that. Because in most cases, that's going to leave me either a mid-iron or a long-iron into the hole. From the distances we play, that's fine. Exactly, and that's fine. So that's what I'll do to start my round off is, like today, I told myself, even though I was down by the the eagle and the birdies and everything else, I told myself on hole number one, I wasn't going to hit the driver until I got to hole number four. Smart move. Yeah. Smart move. Absolutely. I find myself not doing that. Absolutely. Yeah. Would, yeah. That yeah. wouldn't work for you. No. Well, here's the thing, but that's the way I should play. Yeah. Because the thing is, if for me, if I'm playing well, if I'm playing well, I may hit my driver three times around. Mm-hmm. 
if I'm playing yeah, well. Because right. I can hit my five wood yeah, or right. whatever. Yeah. Or I'll hit an iron off the tee right. from the distances that we, we play. play. Yeah. And now with the with the fairways being baked out the way they are, you're going to get run. So it's more than enough distance um, to do that. But that's very smart that you understand. And not only that that you understand it, but you have the discipline, the discipline to, to be able to do it. I think that's a key is that you have to have that discipline to be able to stick to your plan. Yeah. Yeah. And no, especially when you're playing with somebody that's hitting bombs. Hitting bombs. You know what I mean? Right, absolutely. And here's the thing. My motivation now is to uh, get so good that I can beat you, Kevin, and Rick consistently. But once you retire, you'll have more time to be oh, able to focus on I your retire. game. So, yeah, when I retire, oh, it's going to be. So you'll, you'll have more time to focus on your game, but luckily for you gentlemen, I've decided not to focus as much on my game anymore to try to do other things. Because I like doing other stuff. So, you know, I, I play golf shots where other people play golf. Well, I agree so, and, and I let scores. And here's the crazy thing, though. This, this golf season, I told my dad, I said, look, this golf season, I'm going to focus on scoring. But I don't have the discipline to be able to focus on scoring because when I get, I'm an artist, Ken. So when I get out there, that golf course, that's my canvas. Right. I'm out here, I'm out here drawing and fading things. I'm trying to hit stingers when I shouldn't, flop shots when I shouldn't be hitting flop shots. But it to me, it takes a level of discipline to be able to stay in the moment and play. That's why I mean, like I said, tournament golf is hard. That's what I was talking to, to Gallegos about. For me, being out there on that M tour, mm-hmm. one, playing five, five and a half hour rounds, mentally, I just can't, I can't focus and stay into it that long. So that's why it works better for me playing these match plays. Because normally I've, I'm done by hole 13, 14. Because right. yeah. I've already, hey, I just gotta, I gotta focus for 13, 14 holes. Yeah. And I'm done. Yeah. For the most part, because I've, I've put in the work that I need to put in, so okay, I can relax after that. See, for the most being part, analytical and being technical and all that, I love the mental challenge of trying to play this game because it is not physical. It's no, mental. it's mental. It's yeah, because if it was physical, long drive guys would be out here winning right. every, yeah. every tournament on tour. Exactly. But but the thing is, for me, what I think too, I think skill. Which I think hitting the ball a long way, that's a skill set. But I think the skill of playing golf and being able or having to hit shots on command, certain shots, that to me is what golf is supposed to be about. You know what I mean? It's not just hitting the ball a long way. It's about being able to hit the shot when you have to hit the shot. If you're supposed to hit it, if, if this course is giving you a draw, Boom, you hit the draw. Because this course is giving you a fade, you hit the fade. If it's windy, can you hit a low penetrating shot or whatever? If the wind's coming off, the, if there's a left or right wind, can you hold a a draw up against it? Or can you hold a fade to a right to left? And you got tour players who can't do that. So I want to ask you this question. Mm -hmm. So should should the ball be brought back and the distance taken out of the game and put more artistry back into the game? I don't think so. I don't think so, because I think, I think where golf, in my humble opinion, where golf went wrong is when they started building these monstrous golf courses, because Colonial stands the test of time. Oh, it does. You know I what agree. I mean? I agree. Hilton Head stands the test of time. I agree. You don't have to make a course long. Just think about, like, the course we play today, the rough. Yeah, all oh, that rough. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can grow the rough up. You can make those greens run at a 13, make those things hard and fast where you can't get the ball. So you don't have to have a long course. You can just make it. You can just make it more difficult by growing the rough up and making the the uh, hell make the fairways run. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And make the greens run. Yeah. Uh, make the the bunkering more penalizing. I mean, there's different things that you can do. I think we've gotten <clears throat> so used to, because people like hitting the ball a long way. Yes. It's a beautiful thing to do if you can do it consistently. Right. But 
if you grow that rough up, hey, that's a great equalizer. It is. A, you know what I mean? Yeah, tremendous. And for us coming from Texas, you don't really get rough like this. No, no. And so you don't know how to. And then, and the thing is, with that, with the rough, you don't know what you're going to get out of it. A flyer. Exactly. You might just tumble over. You, spin on it. Yeah, that's the thing and then you can put like they were complaining a few years ago about Memorial and the type of rakes that Jack was using right. in the bunkers right. or whatever I mean there's things that they can do to make it more difficult I don't because I mean the thing is if you roll the ball back the guys who hit the ball a long way they're still going to hit the ball a long way because they got the club head speed mm-hmm. so they're still going to be out driving a lot of the people who don't drive it as far but the thing is, if you have, because like courses, like I said, Hilton Head, Colonial, that gives the short knocker an opportunity, opportunity. Yeah. to play well and possibly win, exactly. or whatever, because that because it's going to be so penal for those long drivers, right. and the premium is going to be hitting the ball in the fairway, right. hitting it in the short grass. Exactly. So, no, I don't necessarily think rolling back the ball is a thing. I think maybe making the courses shorter, but growing the rough. And firming up the greens. I agree with that analysis. Uh, I do think that putting lush rough, and if you're talking about six inch rough for pros and maybe two to four inches for amateurs, something like that, yeah, that's more than enough, you know, to, to make it different. Yeah, because from an amateur standpoint, if you try to grow the rough up a lot of these courses, then since your pace of play is going out the window. Yes, that's true. You know too. what I mean? It, yeah. The pace of play is going out the window. Because, I mean, like, well, like Windstar. Now, they have rough over there or whatever, but, I mean, you just hit your ball barely off the, the, off the, the fairway. fairway. <laughs> you have a tough time trying to find your ball. Exactly. The thing here, you didn't have a problem finding your ball in the rough. Right. You can see it. It's just getting it out of there. It's getting it out of there. And then you don't know how far it's sitting down. Right. Uh, yeah, then exactly. if it's sitting up, but then that goes to, once again, gauging that lie. But I think for us, if we had an opportunity to play more courses that have rough like that, we'd be better at it. We'd be better at it. Because we'd understand what the lies are. Because, I mean, I eventually figured it out. I mean, you just, to me, you take a shorter a, a shorter distance club because you may get a flyer out of it. And even if you don't get a flyer out of it, you're still going to be okay. So let me ask you this. We were having this discussion at, at dinner tonight. We were saying that because there are different levels of skill sets in our group, that at one of our courses tomorrow or, in the, or one of the days coming up, that we should do one of two things was my argument. We should uh, let those who are, say, 15 and higher move up to the forward tees. Mm-hmm. Those who are 15 and Right. We take the course that we had today. I pulled it up on my phone. That first part five was 585 from the blue and 485 from 100 the yard difference. That's a 100 yards difference. Mm-hmm. That 485 did not cause you to have to carry that force carry from the top like we did today. Right. Right. And so I said, okay, so a lot of the guys ended up over on the left hand side when we were looking for them. That's mm. because they were trying to carry that distance. Right. But if you had put them down to 485, then their 100 yard shot, that 100 yard difference, that means they're in the fairway. Exactly. Versus you are now hitting from over there. There's no way in the world that you can give up 100 and still outdrive them. You just no, can't. You can't. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I think, and we talked about that the other day too. My thought process is. I think you can, we can do that, but then there's no handicap. No handicap. You know what I mean? It's no. just mono or mono. There's yeah. no, no handicap. Because right. that takes away the handicap. Right. But I think the thing is, for us, even the people who are at 15, 16, 17, distance isn't normally the issue. It's right. the second shot. It's the second shot. And the wedge. Right. You know, that's where you throw a lot of your shots away is going to be on those approach shots and your wedge game. I don't think distance from the distances that we play, that's not going to be as penal. Um, but I think it would be I think it would be cool to do that. I, I agree with you. And here's what I think happened today: there were a lot of horse carries out there today. Right. And if you don't have the swing speed or the, or the or the swing technique that allows you to get the ball solid and hit it uh, in a way that you can carry it and 
putting yourself in a very bad spot. And now, mm-hmm. now because you're in a bad spot, you're going to do what I said earlier, and that is you're not going to be looking to hit a, well, I'm, I'm 300 yards out. The person that I'm playing against, they're only 200 yards out. I got to hit a hero. You shot. press. Yeah, exactly. You start pressing. You start pressing. Mm-hmm. And instead of putting the ball back in play and then getting yourself up to the third shot, and now you may be looking at either a par or a bogey if you get a great shot into the green, you're now looking at a double because you're in the rough and you're going to try to get it out of that rough and that rough is lush. You compound it. And you compound it and you just barely dribble it and it goes further into the rough mm-hmm. or in the desert. And I mean, you're just compounding the problem but you just go ahead and allow them to move up and, uh, and then let them take their, uh, you know, their distance like we were doing today. Then that gives them a chance to play the game is because you're playing the right tees that you're supposed to be playing exactly. anyway. Exactly. So you don't need the handicap. Exactly. You don't yeah. need the handicap. Yeah, I can, I can see that. And I think that was a suggestion that we threw out there yeah. even before we decided to, to go the route that we went. Right. So, I mean, yeah, that's definitely I mean, that's definitely an option because you, then you don't have to worry about all the calculations either right. and the math not mathing. Because like, for instance, today with me and Nasir, on number 17, I'm up two. Number 18, going into 18, I'm up to. I make double, he makes bogey. Then you come in, oh, well, you guys tied. Mm-hmm. Well, how does that work? Right. You know what I mean? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand the math on, on that one. Right. But, I mean, it, but I don't know. So, so the thought was that tomorrow. We'll do that? Go to the up team. Yeah, to the up team. And we will be playing 64, 65, something like that. But still isn't that. It's not that much difference. It's only an 800 yard difference. Right. But but where it matters is where they don't have the swing speed to get off the tee box and maybe carry these forced distances. The difference is where they may be able to hit it 200 yards, you're going to have to hit yours 250 get up to where they are. Right. Now, you're getting an 8-iron, they're getting an 8-iron. Mm-hmm. Because your 8-iron may go 170, their 8-iron may go 140. Right. That's the distance that you gave up off the team. Exactly. You know, so, instead of them now having to hit from back here, and they barely get in the fairway, now they're having to hit a 5-iron or a wood or something like that. No. You're hitting an 8, they're hitting an 8. Exactly. You know. Like I said, yeah, and that negates the whole... That negates the whole um, handicap. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and if they can't hit an eight iron, well then that I mean that okay. Then you can't hit an eight. You need to go well, right the thing is, but then too, it may make it more enjoyable for them. Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? That right. it make it more enjoyable for them. Exactly. Because a lot of people, I mean, because here's the thing: even though you said that's your weak spot is the long iron, mm-hmm. a lot of people that's their weak spot. Exactly. It, it's, it's the long iron. Mm-hmm. And that's because. When we hit the long irons, we want to hit the long irons like we hit our short irons. And the two swings are not the same. No, they're not. Yeah. It's, it's crazy because your driver swing is different it is. from your short iron. It is. Your short iron is different from your long iron. It is. The only thing that may be close may be your mid irons and your long irons. Exactly. But everything else is a different It's a right. different swing. Right. You've got to have a, uh, a flat spot, a, a longer flat spot with the long irons, whereas... With the shorter and mid, mid irons, you're descending mm-hmm. into the ball to get that nice divot. But with the driver and other, you want to. It's almost like landing a plane. You're sweeping. And then just yeah. do this right here. Yeah, you're sweeping. Yeah, you're like sweeping. You yeah, you want. Yeah, you want to sweep it. Yeah. And so you know, most people don't realize that I can't hit those long irons the way I hit my uh, mid irons yeah. and short irons because the swings are different. Yeah, and that's what screwed me up this summer, is that I changed my my iron swing mm-hmm. and now it screwed up my driver mm-hmm. and it's been screwed up for like two months now mm-hmm. every now and again I'll figure it out but still I I, I, 
I'm still not comfortable with it yet. I'm good enough to win, but I mean, you know, yeah. it's, it's, I'm still not not because that used to be probably one of my strong suits. It used to be one of your strong suits. Was my driver, right. but I mean, but yeah, it's 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 weird. But yeah, you got three different swings mm-hmm. in your bag for your for the clubs that you play. Right, and the thing is, uh, you know, I think if guys would just simply uh, play to their strengths and take the punishment if you've gotten yourself in a bad spot, okay, don't compound the error. Right. Well. That goes back to ego yeah, right. and, discipline. and discipline. Like I said, it takes a lot of discipline to be able to focus mm-hmm. on every shot. Every shot. I mean, that's huge. And it's easier said than done. Even though you know, hey, this is something I should be doing. I don't spend a lot of money on this equipment. Mm-hmm. I don't spend a lot of money on this trip. Yeah. And then all you got to do is focus. Yeah. For 10 or 15 seconds. Yeah, that's it. And you won't do it. Speaking of myself, you won't do it. Right. Because you think, oh, well, I can get away with it. Right. Yeah, you, sometimes you might, but a lot of times you won't. Yeah, yeah right. Because exactly. you're, you're not putting yourself in the best position to be successful. Right. And uh, we were saying on the way back, I was saying, hey, guys, we spend too much money playing this game on green speeds, equipment, training, tools, all that stuff that we buy. Yeah, I would just go. I get a bunch of speeding tickets and just yeah. I flush it down the toilet. Right, exactly. But yeah, that that's one way to that's one way to think about it. Yeah. So now that's what I that's what I take away from this is just focusing on focusing. Yeah. And here's the thing, you know, I don't like getting beat by Rick and, and Kevin and you. I don't like that at all. Well, nobody should. Yeah. But no, I was undefeated for a while. And and so my challenge is to make sure that. I play well enough that I can beat you guys, you know, at least sometime, if not all the time. Right. Uh, but I know that I'm not going to, in most cases, outdrive uh, the competition. But I know that if I just uh, gave myself a chance, they'll come back to the field. Right. Well, I yeah, the thing is, I think, like I said, the premium is, like my buddy says, you want to play boring golf. Mm-hmm. Fairways and greens. Mm-hmm. That's it. Just play boring golf. Doesn't have to be spectacular. Because this one guy that I play with now, he does hit the ball a long way, though. Mm-hmm. This guy I play with out there on that um, match play tour or whatever, he's like a one handicap. You just watch him, though. You're not even thinking he's shooting the scores that he's shooting. And you look up, he's even par or one or two over. Every time, and it's just effortless. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it's just effortless. I bet you his technique, though. Is oh, it's spot on. It's spot on. Yeah. Oh yeah, his technique is yeah. spot. Is it's the only his only problem if he has a flaw is his short game. Yeah. But the thing is, he hits it so long and so straight. He's always going to be on the green in regulation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If not, he's going to be close by. Yeah. So. Yeah. And he's and on par fives he's giving himself a shot at eagle or birdie every time. Brown Kevin's age. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So he's got swing speed. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's probably he's built like Gallegos, but man, the dude just he he hits bombs. He's probably as long or if not longer than Kevin. Really? Yeah. Oh wow. And it's just effortless though. He's not. But here's the thing. Like Kevin goes at it. He goes at it. He doesn't go. It doesn't look like he's going at it though. Yeah. Here's the thing. I bet you if you look at him, watch his core. If his core moves before his arms at the top of the swing, mm-hmm. what he's doing is, and that's effortless power as you're using your body. Right. Using the, the big muscle. As opposed to your arms. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that if I can ever learn, I did it a couple of times this afternoon. I did it on a guys hit their driver and uh it was on a par four and i did it and my my three wood went as far as uh richard his driver mm. and that's because i paused at the top and i did this and kept my arm I, with yeah. my core and left my arms back here and the ball went long yeah and that's definitely like one of my flaws i think i get so anxious to hit the shot exactly